We have one additional announcement to make this morning. We want to extend our sympathy to the family of Larry Jones, who passed away this past week. His visitation will be tomorrow from 12 to 2 p.m. at Family Funeral Home on Summer Avenue, and the funeral service will be at 2 p.m. tomorrow. And so again, we extend our sympathy to this family in the loss of Brother Larry Jones. I want to ask you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. The title of our lesson today, The Church That Was in Trouble with Jesus. I have given a lot of thought to this lesson. I woke up early this morning thinking about this lesson praying about this lesson, and I want you to understand that what I intend to share today is applicable not just to you, but to myself as well. And in this lesson, we're going to be looking at a church that found itself in serious trouble with the Lord. And as we explore what the Bible has to say about the church at Laodicea. There are some things here that are pointed out by Jesus that quite frankly are cutting and rather harsh. And yet what Jesus had to say to this church was intended to be helpful and not hurtful. I want to begin by first of all talking about the Lord's desire for a lukewarm church. I want to begin by first of all discussing with you for just a moment or two the Lord's awareness of the church. Listen to what John records in verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. I want us to understand that no matter where we are, God knows exactly where we stand with him spiritually. God is well aware of the church here at Olive Branch, just as he was well aware of the works that were going on At Laodicea, the Bible says, and I think it's very true, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 4, neither is there any creature that is not made manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God sees all and God knows all. Three things you need to understand about the Lord and his awareness of the state of the church. First, he depicts himself as the factual one. Listen to what he says again. These things says the amen. The word amen means so be it or let it be so. And then he identifies himself as the true witness. Jesus 
was not only a personification of divine truth, he was the absolute embodiment of divine truth. You remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Whatever Jesus says, it's true, it's right, isn't it? Jesus is not only the factual one, but he is the faithful one. Listen again. These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness. The beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ is he is faithful in everything he says. You and I, we can take what he says to the bank. We never have to doubt his word. We never have to, have to doubt or question what he means or what he says. And then thirdly, Jesus identifies himself as the forceful one. He said, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. The world as we know it was created by the Lord Jesus Christ. God was the architect. But Jesus was the agent by which the world came into being. John said, all things were made by him or through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So we talk about his awareness of the church. But I also want you to understand that Jesus assesses the church at Laodicea. First, note if you would his discernment of the state of the church. Listen to what he says in verse 15. I know your works. He said that you're neither cold nor hot. Now, what Jesus is saying here is, is simply this. You're not stone cold, as we say, to the point of freezing. The flip side, however, is you're not hot either to the point of boiling. Jesus said you're neither cold nor hot. Such was the spiritual state of the church at Laodicea. And then note, if you would, his desire for the state. He said, I could wish you were cold or hot. Now you think about that. Jesus is saying, look, I wish you would make a choice. Either be on fire for me or just stone cold. Now, I want to ask you a question. Where would you fall? Would you be hot or cold? Or, note verse 16. So then, and here's what Jesus said. You are lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm. Now, this brings us to a second point, and that is the Lord's disgust with a lukewarm church. And listen, if you would, to what Jesus said. Now, you think about here's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is peering into a congregation of his people, and he is assessing them, and here's what he says. Because you're lukewarm, 
neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. You know what Jesus was saying? You make me sick to my stomach. You make me nauseated. If Jesus were to assess your spiritual life today, what would he say? Would Jesus say to you, you make me sick? Can you imagine the Son of God, the creator of the world, the one who came and lived among men who died for our sins? Can you imagine the Son of God standing face to face with us and saying to us, individually, collectively, you make me sick. You make the Lord sick. Do you make the Lord want to vomit? And we say, that's repulsive. It is repulsive. I don't even like to think about it. That's what Jesus said. When we talk about a lukewarm church and why it is so disgusting to Jesus, there are really three reasons. Number one, they were the church of the satisfied. They're satisfied. Listen to what Jesus said. Here is Jesus, and he is assessing the church at Laodicea. And here's their attitude. And I want you to see if you get this idea of being satisfied. You say, I'm rich, have become wealthy. Now listen to him. And have need of nothing. We're satisfied. Could I ask you as a Christian, could I ask you as a member of the church at Olive Branch, are you satisfied with where we are as a congregation? Are you satisfied? You satisfied with your spiritual life? You think you've arrived? You think you're something in the body of Christ? A lot of congregations get satisfied, and that's what happens in the lives of Christians. When you get satisfied, guess what? You quit growing. When you quit, when you quit growing, you begin to die. These folks were satisfied. I think sometimes, and I'm afraid, many of us have become satisfied with where we are at Olive Branch. Let me tell you what. If you're satisfied with where you are, if we're satisfied with where we are as a congregation, I'm the wrong guy for the pulpit here. You got the wrong guy. I'm not satisfied. Matter of fact, I'm disturbed. When I think about where we've been, where we are, maybe we've become satisfied. Not only were they the church of the satisfied, they were the church of the status quo. I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. Is that how we feel here? Listen again to what Jesus said. You say I'm rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing. Status quo. I want to ask you a question. Do you think they're satisfied with operating at status quo, at international paper here in town, 
You think they're satisfied with status quo at FedEx? I can tell you what, they're not satisfied. When I was in the corporate world, we had a saying, you can have a bad year, but you got a year to turn it around. Didn't matter what you did this year, you better do better next year. No one in the business world is ever satisfied. No one in the business world ever expects to operate at status quo. But I think in the church sometimes we think that. We think it's okay. Just operate on autopilot. And then note if you would, they were the church of the self-righteous. Let me tell you, here's where we get in trouble. We preach the truth, don't we? I have no doubt in my mind we preach the truth of God every week here. We preach it. We preach it, we teach it, we uphold it. The problem is we don't practice it. That's the real problem. As Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees, you say and do not. We talk about what we do and about what we've done. Let me tell you what. Maybe we become self-righteous. We talk about what other people don't do. What about us? What about what we don't do? What about what we haven't done? What about what we could do? You ever thought about that? So we talk about the Lord's disgust with the church at Laodicea. I also want to call to mind his description of the church at Laodicea. And I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Verse 17. You say I'm rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing. Now listen to what he says. And do not know that you, that you, that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. How's that for positive preaching? How's that for a positive assessment of a congregation of God's people? Sometimes we pat ourselves on the back and talk about how great we are and what we've done. And the Lord's saying, let me tell you what, you think you're so great. I want to tell you what you really are. Here's what you are. You're poor, you're blind, you're naked, you're miserable, you're wretched. You're a piece of work. You know that? That's what the Lord's saying to the church at Laodicea. You're a real piece of work. Would the Lord say that about us at Olive Branch, that we're a real piece of work? That we really think we're something is that what the Lord would say to us? Let me tell you what, they were lukewarm about the Savior. They were lukewarm in their love. Do you love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and mind? Did you know Jesus said, this is the first and great commandment? You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, Matthew 22. Do you love Him with all your heart, soul, and mind? Do you? Do you love Him because He first loved you? Are you lukewarm in your life? You remember when Paul wrote to the church at Colossae? And he said, speaking of Christ, listen to him, who is our life. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, seek first 
the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That means before anything else, are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Let me ask you a question. How many of you know what this is? Raise your hand if you do. Anybody know what it is? You see how many hands have gone up? Raise your hands high if you would. You know why you don't know what this is? Because you weren't here yesterday. You don't have a clue what this is. Not one clue. Because you, you were in bed. Or you were in a deer stand. Or you were shopping. Or you were watching television. Or you were doing something else. You know what this is? This is a work that you had an opportunity to be a part of. You know why you weren't a part of this work? Because Jesus is not a part of your life. You hear what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? If Jesus were first in your life, let me tell you what, you'd be here. You weren't here. Didn't want to be here. Didn't care to be here. Didn't intend to be here. Is that plain enough? You get what I'm saying? You chose not to be here. Why? Shoot a deer yesterday? Buy a lot of stuff at the mall? What'd you do? Lukewarm in love? Lukewarm in life, lukewarm as leaven. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Are you an influence for good for the cause of Christ? People even know you're a Christian. Do they? What about a light? Lukewarm as a light. We talk about a light switch. We flip it on, we flip it off. Let me tell you what, that works at home. It doesn't work as a child of God. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Are you a light for God 24-7? If you're not, you're in trouble. You need to understand you're in real trouble. Not only were they lukewarm about the Savior, lukewarm about sinners. Are you content with people going to hell? We talk about preaching the gospel to the world, don't we? Going to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So we have the greatest message in the world. The greatest story ever told has become the greatest story never told. Now I want you to think about something. Number one, are we content with people going to hell? Are you content with that? But here's number two. Are you complicit in people going to hell? Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we say, well... I'm not influencing people to live in such a way so that they'll go to hell. I get that. 
but what are you doing to keep them out of hell? Let me ask you to turn with me very quickly to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33. I want you to see what I'm saying. You need to hear this. You need to see what God said to Ezekiel in chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33, God told Ezekiel in the long ago, one of his prophets, he said, you are a watchman on behalf of the people. He talked about the watchman on the wall. The purpose of the watchman was, when he saw the enemy coming, to blow the trumpet, to warn the people. And he said, if the watchman sees the sword, verse 6, coming, does not blow the trumpet, the people are not warned, the sword comes, takes any person from among them, he's taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will, re I will require at the watchman's hand. So, if he sees the enemy coming, he blows the trumpet, warns the people, he's done his job. If he doesn't, then guess what? He's in trouble. Now look at verse 7. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Do you know, do you know personally people that are going to hell? You talked to them? You warned them? If you haven't, you got blood on your hands? Is that not what God's saying to Ezekiel? He said, when you say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. You do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way. He shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Could I ask you a question? When is the last time you talked to somebody about Jesus? When is the last time you invited somebody to worship, to Bible study? To study with you. And we talk about preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel. And again, we talk a good game. What are we doing, really? I mean, really, what are we doing? Are we just here to play? Is that what this is? Just an exercise in religion? Is that what it's all about? One day we're going to stand before King Jesus. And King Jesus is going to, he's going to judge us. And I want to ask you a question. Could it be possible that there will be people around you on the day of judgment and they're looking at Jesus and looking at you and they're saying to you, wait a minute, you knew the truth. You said you were a member of the body of Christ. You're saying that to the Lord. You never said anything to me about it. You never invited me to church. You never invited me to study the Bible. You never talked to me about what you believed. Is that what the Lord's going to say to us? Do you care that people are going to hell? Are you complicit in people going to hell? Lukewarm about the Savior, lukewarm about sinners, lukewarm about service. We're fickle, as I said a moment ago. We say, 
But we do not, just like the scribes and the Pharisees. I mentioned this box. Look, yesterday was just one example. Just one example. The lack of presence yesterday is symptomatic of a greater problem here. And look, I'm not talking to just the young people. I'm not talking to just the people my age. I'm not talking to just the elderly people. I'm talking to all of us. Could I do better? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I can do better. Have I failed? Absolutely. Have I been what I could be, what I should be, what I ought to be at times? Probably not. Matter of fact, no, I haven't. So could I do better? Yes. I want you to know I could do better. But I want to ask you, can you do better? Can you do better? You see, if we don't care enough to be involved in the work of the church. And by the way, it's not my church, it's not the elders' church, it's not any, it's the Lord's church. Whether this congregation goes forward or closes its doors one day, that's up to us. It's up to you. It's up to each and every one of us. I want you to know something. God has given us a golden opportunity in this, in this neighborhood. And we are sitting on a gold mine, but I can assure you one thing. If we don't work that mine, it will dry up. When we stand before God, you need to understand, you are a steward of this work. One day God's going to ask you individually, personally, what did you do to advance the cause of Christ in this community? What did you do? Now I want to ask you, what will you say? Let's just use the past year. What have you done the last 12 months to advance the cause of Christ in this community? Have you done anything? Have you been involved at all? What have you done? Is that not what the Lord will say to you? What have you done? What do you plan to do? Look, it's one thing to acknowledge our wrongs. I can say I failed, I could do better, but let me tell you what. It's not just about admitting I haven't done it. It's about doing something different. About recognizing, yes, I failed. Now I'm going to do better. What about you? You going to step up to the plate? You willing to step up and be a man, be a woman, be what you ought to be? You willing to step up? Fickle and fruitless. Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. What kind of fruit do you have to show for your service in the kingdom of God? What do you have to show for your activity as a child of God? You got anything? What do you got to show? I want, you to, I want you to think about this. They were lukewarm about their sacrifice. How much have you sacrificed by way of your time over the past year? Look, we're at 11 o'clock. 
I know it's time to get out, but you need to hear this. I need to hear this. We need this. We may not like it, but we need it. Remember as a child, matter of fact, you've got kids. You ever go in in the morning and you try to wake your child up, say it's time to get up, time to go to school. What do they do? Roll over, pull the cover over them, and say, leave me alone. They like it. When your children are being awakened in the morning, do they like it? I didn't like it. I didn't like it when my dad said time to get up. Let me tell you what, spiritually speaking, sometimes we don't like it. We don't like it when somebody says it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time for you to wake up. It's time for me to wake up. It's time for all of us to wake up. And let me just say this. Bless their hearts, these young folks here. If it weren't for some of these young folks, the work of the church at Olive Branch would down a vine. You hear what I'm saying? Why do we have the attitude that when we get older, we just retire from the work of the church? We put our years of service in and we're done. Let me tell you what. You retire, you got more time for the Lord. You got more time. You're not doing anything because you don't want to do anything. You don't use it, you'll lose it. If you lost it, let me tell you what. You're going to lose more than your physical health. You're going to lose more than your mental health. You're going to lose your soul. You understand that? You're going to lose your soul. What I'm telling you today, let me tell you what, when you stand before God on the day of judgment, when the Lord calls you before his throne, I want you to remember my name. And I want you to tell the Lord on December the 11th, Sunday morning, Mike Hickson told me I needed to wake up from my spiritual slumber. And I chose to live a lukewarm, lukewarm life. I want you to tell the Lord, I told you because I don't want the blood on my hands. You tell him I told you the truth. Now you can do what you want to do and you can go back to your old ways. But I'm telling you, you want to go to heaven, you better wake up. You better get it right. There are no do-overs in this life. None whatsoever. How much time have you used for the cause of Christ? Talents and ability. You understand we have so many talents and abilities in this congregation. And we're using about a thimble full. Why? Because you're not using your talents. You're not using your talents. You're not using your talents for the cause of Christ. And guess what? We're being hindered. When the Lord Jesus comes one day, he's going to ask you, what do you do with your time? What do you do with your talents? And what do you do with your treasures? And by the way, those treasures you have, they don't belong to you. They're God's. The Bible says what's so, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, that that which is required of a steward is that a man be found faithful. What are you doing with your money? You're spending it all, in the, all on hunting and all on fishing and all on golf and everything else and none for the Lord's work? Is that where your money goes? Shopping malls? I tell you what, you're going to give an account for your money. You better wake up. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you today to see the light of God's Word. Are you willing to... Have you made a sacrifice this past year? What have you done for the cause in this community to make Olive Branch a shining light for truth? What have you done? If I had the keys to the 
to the building in my pocket right now and I were to throw them to you and say, guess what? It's on you today. It's on you from now on. What would you do? Where would the church be a year from now? I'll tell you where it'd be if some of us had it. It'd be boarded up. It'd be a for sale sign out front. You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. You say, well, how do you know that? Because I, I see it. I see it in the fact you don't come back Sunday night, you don't come back Wednesday night, you don't come to a work day yesterday. You don't do Look, we need to turn it around here. We better get it right. The Lord's directive to a lukewarm church, very quickly, his appeal. He appealed to their vesture, their vision, their vision and their vigor. Look very quickly, Revelation chapter 3. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. They thought they could see spiritually, and Jesus said, you're blind. They thought they had it all. And here's his announcement. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Think about this very quickly. Church at Laodicea, who did it belong to? It belonged to Jesus, didn't it? He bought them. It was his body. And guess what? He's on the outside looking in. He's not in their midst. And here he is knocking on the door. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart right now. And here's what he says. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and dine with him and he with me. The Lord's knocking at the door. And he'll continue to knock. Now I want to ask you today, based on what you have heard and what you know, based on where you are spiritually, are you going to open the door? Or is he going to keep knocking? You can say no to him. You can shut him out of your life and you can say one thing and do another, but let me tell you what, he's not fooled a bit. The Lord's coming one day. And my friend, you're going to stand before him. And you're going to stand before the Son of God and you're going to give an account of your life. And what we're talking about today, serious stuff. So I want you to remember today, and I want you to remember that you heard the truth of God. You know where you are. You know what you are. Now I want to ask you, what are you going to do about it? You can walk out these doors and you can say, you know what, that guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's crazy. That's fine. You can do that. I don't care. That's fine. But I want you to know what? You heard the truth today. And the truth is intended to shake you up top to bottom. I intend, I intended to rattle your cage, and I hope I did. I intended to rattle my cage, and I did. So what are you going to do? We're just going to go to hell in a good close embrace? Or are we going to turn this ship around and go to heaven? 
It's in your hands, it's in your hands, it's in your hands, it's in your it's in all of our hands. So what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You ready to step up to the plate? You ready to make this place what it ought to be? If you're not willing to make it what it ought to be, let's just call it as it is. Let's just say, you know what, we're not interested. Let's just close it up now. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. To give you an abundant life. I want you to obey the gospel, not because I say you need to, but because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. You're not in Christ, you're not going to heaven. You're not faithful in Christ, you're not going to heaven. You're lukewarm out there, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're not a part of the work, you're not a part of the church. Let me tell you what, I want you to know, I want you to hear it, please hear it. You're going to hell. Straight up. You're going to hell. That's where you're headed. So I want to know today, you in, you out. Fair enough? Fair enough. If you need to respond to the invitation today, look, we're here to help. This congregation needs a revival. And my prayer is it begins with me. We need to be revived. So come as we stand and sing.